Hey folks, it's John from Is for Alcoholic again. First of all, Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope everyone's having a great Christmas. I hope you get everything you want under the tree. I hope everyone's having a great sober Christmas. And if you're not, that you find the help that you need this holiday season. Or any day that you're listening to this for that matter. Um, so today's episode is going to be an interview that I did with Renata Burke on KSVY, my local radio station. So I suggest you go check out KSVY, check out Renata Burke, check out uh, Valley of the Moon magazine. She's the society editor there. Uh, She asked me to come on the show, and the show is called It's All About You. And basically, I did an eight-song Spotify playlist and then we went through the songs and we talked about what they what they mean to me and why I picked them and all that kind of stuff. We talked about the A's for Alcoholic podcast that you're listening to now. We talked about the other two podcasts that I do. We talked about running. We talked about sobriety and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. Again, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and all of that good stuff. Without further ado, here I am with Renata Burke, KSVY. Hey, hey, good morning, Sonoma. Welcome to It's All About You. I am your host, Renata Verk, the society editor of Valley of the Moon magazine, your number one local magazine right here in town. If you have not picked up your copy, pick it up today. The newest edition is out, um, all about power outages and the new Sonoma, perhaps. Anyway, enough about me. This is all about you. And today, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. If you're listening live, we are like the only live people here today. Basically, everyone else is getting ready to have their turkeys, tofurkeys, and tofu turkey things and stuff like that today. So, and hopefully everyone's being grateful as well. I'm going to try to keep that happening throughout this, uh, this interview today. Gratitude's super huge. Absolutely. Um, so today my guest is a writer and an artist whose interests include filmmaking and design. He was a bartender for 15 years and last year he started Green Camel Press with his friend Nabil Sharif. Um, they also produce uh, and co-host three podcasts. A is for alcoholic, Rashida and John, and gluten is not your problem. Welcome to the show, John Staley. Thank you very much for having me. How are um, you? I am really well. Uh, it's been a beautiful morning. I got up early. Um, the sun was shining. I wrote three pages of, of gratitude. Oh, you did? Well, I was thinking, you know, they say have a list and start your day with a list of pick five or pick ten, and I just kept going. So I just felt that was a good day, good way to uh, to start the day. Nice. I, I actually um, started a gratitude journal some years back, but I remember someone talking, someone famous or somebody talking mm-hmm. about their gratitude journal and how they would write uh, three things that they were grateful for every day and choose three different things every day, and they'd never done the same thing. You know, for years and years and years, they were always writing different things that they were grateful for. Like there's an endless amount of things that we're grateful for. Um, and I kind of thought, really? Wow. But uh, I tried to I try to keep that in mind when I'm when I'm doing my little gratitude things. Sometimes I don't write in it, but I do this little exercise on my fingers. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> just before I'm going to bed, usually, where I just say thank you on each. Like, I just, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. And I, you know, on each one of my fingers. So I, I say it 10 times slowly and I try not to attach anything to it, actually. Right. Because when I attach something to it, I kind of lose track. But I try not to attach anything to it, but just, just literally being grateful um, to exist. Right. Yeah, the the journaling thing. I I read this book called The Artist Way, and it's got a lot of these. It's it's almost like a class. So you go through these twelve weeks. I think it took us. Nabil and I went through this as part of our. One of the things we do is when we meet each week and we talk about what creative projects we're doing, if we're going to do a stop motion animation, if we're going to work on cartoons, comics, the children's book, whatever it is, we would start with this. And so we we sit down. How's it going? We'd do a little meditation. We'd work in the artist way. And the biggest thing that I took from that, which was, there's a lot of great things. I don't, are you familiar with it at all? Yes, yes. Okay, was the morning pages. And so it's basically, she says, write three pages of whatever. If it's just gobbledygook, if it's, um, if it's what is bothering you. And so there'll be pages where I'm just complaining, 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 complaining. And I think that's really great because it gets it out. Right. right. Yes. But, you know, I also try to practice being positive about these things. And so it's like, OK, well, I am grateful for the sunshine. I am grateful to be alive. I am grateful for the coffee, you know, any any of those things. So um, I think it's it's really helpful for me to either collect my thoughts or to expel <laughs> my thoughts, you know, and we did that over the last summer and fall, and it was really it was really helpful in just changing the way that we think about um, approaching the artwork. Because it's very easy when when I'm trying to create something to be immediately judgmental of it, right? So whether it's whether we're making something, doing a short film, or just trying to come up with some comic ideas or the greeting cards, and it's easy to go, oh, that's trash, that's trash. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to do that. And, and just kind of, it's better to just let it be for a little while. And so that's, that's my favorite thing in the morning is really just getting those pages out. And even if, it's, um, even if it's not anything, I mean, literally sometimes I'll just talk about what I see out the window for three pages and it's boring and I don't expect to ever read it again, maybe in another year or so, but, um, it's been so helpful. I highly suggest it to anybody. So I can't, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm imagining you weren't always this way. So we're going to kind of go back into history yes. a little bit and find out about you. Um, so what were you like as a child and, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, Whoa, born and raised in the that. desert and um, in a very strange part of the desert. I didn't realize how strange it was until I left. You know, growing up, there would be times where I remember my dad would take my brother and I and we would go out and you would be going down to the strip to go walk through a smoky casino to go to a buffet because it was almost cheaper to go eat out than it was to... Um, than to, to buy groceries. Right. Like literally, I remember going to the Rio Buffet, which I think is like $50 a, a person now, and it would be $3. What? And so, yeah, so this is, you know, the early yeah, 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in Las Vegas, and um, I left shortly after high school and moved to Southern California to stay with my mom. 
and I remember walking into a it was a Hilton or something like that, and I remember being struck by how quiet it was, and thinking, well, what do people do in a hotel lobby if there's no slot machines if there's no casino it was oh, wow that was the that was the weird thing to me was right because it was such a norm for you it was so normal oh. and so you know people talk about going to vegas and getting really excited and it does it holds no draw and no allure for me um anymore i have a few friends there i don't have any family left there um and i was back a few years ago and it really just solidified that uh, there's a lot of great things going on there now that weren't when I was a kid as far as art and music. They do the there's a big festival there there each year. Life is beautiful. Uh, I have friends who um, own a bar and do live music and, and they do all kinds of cool stuff. But it's just not for me. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I feel like you know the the whole uh, marketing with what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas was was pretty genius, but it's so untrue. Mm-hmm. Like what happens in Vegas stays with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, and it's just you know the thing the thing that I always found was that people when you're flying there you're excited because you're going to stay in a hotel you're going to um you're going to go eat eat out every night there's no last call you're going to gamble and win and um on the way back on the plane ride back everybody is broke hungover and has to go to work <laughs> you know the next yeah. the next morning so it's just it's just too much yeah. it's too too much and um you know I moved to California and then uh shortly thereafter I moved up to the Pacific Northwest where I spent 15 years in both Oregon and Seattle, in Eugene and Seattle. And I consider a lot of that more home than than I do Vegas. I like have you, more you ties there. you kind of grew up there. Kinda, Most way, certainly, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I, I, I moved to Eugene when I was 18. Right. So I, I, all those formative years and all those hard lessons of my you know late teens and 20s and even 30s um were were all learned there um but i think the biggest thing was moving back to california in 2010 and i helped open a restaurant in napa and um down downtown it no longer exists and that's fine but it got me back down here and um, I was just kind of cruising and was like, I'm going to work in a restaurant for a year and I'll probably go back to Seattle because that's where all my friends and family were. And, and that didn't happen. And so for five years, I kind of just coasted from job to job to job. And um, I think the biggest thing and I, I was I was drinking heavily throughout all of this so when did you start drinking just like as a as a teenager or 16 yeah something like that probably Mm -hmm. like 16 or 17 yeah which is late for some early for others but um it's just when it happened uh for me but in 2015 after i mean so i'm that's what 17 years of alcoholic drinking i just had this sort of moment of Like, I'm going to lose. I just moved into a a house in Sonoma. I just gotten a new job in Sonoma. And um, I had a a new car. And um, every relationship and friendship and anything had either been destroyed or strained because of alcohol. And um, 
I just had this moment where I saw all this stuff going away and I had to change something about, and it was the first time that I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's the alcohol. Wow. You know? So you never had those, I'm just curious, you never had those moments where you were like, when you're drinking and stuff the next day, you're like, ah, you know, what was I thinking there? What did I say? And oh, <laughs> maybe I drank a little too much or I can't really, you know, I like, oh, I'm kind of, kind of feeling that depression that alcohol tends to give you the next day. And also like you feel, you feel down and you feel like second guessing everything that you did and. Yeah, that kind of thing, which I think actually is really normal. I think a lot of people feel that, mm-hmm. and then they feel super guilty, but then they'll go and drink again. <laughs> I had those, like, I had those thoughts and feelings all the time, but right. it wasn't enough, you know. Got it. And um, it was just, <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, the only solution is to have another drink, and this went on for many, 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 many years, and there was a lot of fun. I don't want to say there wasn't. There was a lot of fun, but in the last few years, living here in Sonoma. Um, there wasn't any fun. It was just this cycle of work and drinking and sleeping and work and drinking and sleeping. And it was really, it was pretty hellish Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. Like it was, and, and I didn't see any real way out. Um, and, um, I had a friend who finally encouraged me to, um, to seek help. And I belong to a, uh, you know, the secret club that most people, uh, think about when they think about uh, recovery from alcoholism I'll just leave it at that you know um, I think it's different for everyone and everybody has their own way of coming to terms with what they what they ingest and what they imbibe and um, so I don't think that it's for everyone but uh, it's something that worked for me and was really that was the big pivot in 2015 where I stopped drinking and that that next year was really hard, you know, just trying to readjust because my whole life, that's that was always the answer. That was always the problem. And then that was always the solution that caused the next problem. And so to not have that was was huge. And I smoked cigarettes, too. So I quit those in October of that year. Um, I don't know how I did that. I think that might have been harder. So there was this big pivot of I'm going to qu- quit drinking. I quit smoking cigarettes, but I was, um, I never really changed any of the other behaviors. You know, I was, um, food was then the next thing, right? Right. So I was, I was a big fan of sweets. You know, I think we were talking about it before we got here about just sugar is in everything and it's everywhere. And so that was part of what I was craving all the time, I think, with the alcohol. Um, not to mention all the other aspects of my life that had been ignored and neglected because I was drinking all the time, you know, cause it wasn't just, I have to drink and then I'm done and now everything's fine. There was this whole, you know, series of, there was this whole repair that needed to be done and, um, looking at myself and seeing what needed to be changed inside you know whether it's spiritually or emotionally or you know childhood trauma was a big one too so um that was that was i was still self-medicating with food yeah I, i think you speak um to a lot of people because i think a lot of i think all of us are touched by all of that you know um mm-hmm. the way that we're raised and then obviously 
you know, pivotal times, you know, during our growth and puberty and stuff and how we interact with people and, and then what things are happening to us at that time kind of uh, ingrain into our psyche. And, and as we're growing, you know, we're adjusting, we don't really know. And then of course the frontal cortex isn't attached until you're like 25 or something. So is that you true? Know, is yeah, that it's totally huh. true. Um, and so we're, we're making all these decisions and we're, we're not really thinking about why and we don't care. And then suddenly around 25, we start to go, wait a minute, this is dangerous. Wait a minute, what's going on here? And, um, and then we start to kind of look within maybe i guess i don't know yeah um it took me a lot longer yeah I st- I st- i'm still working on it i think you're ahead of me um <laughs> there's a there's a music element to this show and um, yes i asked you uh very kindly to do the work of finding about eight songs that had meaning to you and i know that that um, is a difficult task um but uh, you did it. Yes, I did. And um, and I'm thinking that these are in order, but should we start with the first song? They are in okay. order, yes, as so, best I could. So <laughs> will you tell me why you chose this first song what, and what it means to you? Um, so the, the first song is, um, is it L.A. Woman by The Doors? So when I, when I was younger, so when I was 13, 14, 15, growing up with my dad, my first introduction to music was his record collection. So, and it could have gone many different ways, and I'm really grateful that uh, that it was his record collection. It was The Doors, it was Jimi Hendrix, it was all this old, you know, 60s music, and there was a Doors album called Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine, and it was some sort of compilation or something like that, or best of, I don't know what it was, but it had all these, it was a double disc, and L.A. Woman is just one of these really cool songs that epitomizes The Doors, it has all of the elements, and I was never in Los Angeles in the 1960s, but when you listen to this song, like you get from the lyrics, from the music, there's just this feeling of driving around this city, you know, even that beginning like, and just really cool blues riffs and the, the, the keyboards. And so the doors were also, I think, um, as far as like the drinking and stuff, Jim Morrison was definitely like this sort of metaphysical Bukowski kind of uh, character so that was something that really struck to me I think even before I started drinking this sort of idea of like excess and the what is the the uh the 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 palace of wisdom is the road to excess or something like that 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 kind of thing so this Dionysian god totally that Jim Morrison you know played very well on on stage and you know in life so that was i just love the doors <laughs> first year that I lived in Southern California, I bought a 1970 Dodge Dart, and I drove it to Vegas, and um, and I had the first Doors album on cassette, and that's what I listened to. I had a couple others, but that's the one I remember. I also, um, 
overheated that car in the desert <laughs> and poured a gallon of cold water on a hot um, uh, engine block. Yeah. Cracked it, and that was the end of that car. It lasted. <laughs> it didn't even get me back home. But that's, that's the doors. This. That's mm-hmm. this for you. This mm-hmm. is the, oh, wow. Um, yeah, you, you touch on the, like, Bukowski thing and how, like, all of that kind of um, – God, I can read Charles Bukowski, and like I, I, I really feel like I'm totally drunk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> and absolutely. And it's like that. I get him, and the mm-hmm. loathing, and this. Uh, it's I, interesting. I often wonder now that I've, you know, that I've come on the other side of it. Like, I, I imagine that he. It was a persona, you know. I don't think that it was all really him there, and I don't think that. I don't imagine you can be that prolific and drink that much at the same time, or at least I couldn't. Right. So perhaps he was—he had a lot more grit and strength than than I do. Um, but it's—I yeah, I still love his stuff. Um, there's a lot of it that gets a little tiresome and boring, you know. And I think that's just part of my evolution as well. But it's still his his poems are some of them are beautiful and the short economy of words that he that he uses or used and and was able to express so much is something I really appreciated so you're a writer yes um and tell me a little bit about that so were you were you have you always written were you writing did you go to college to write or tell me more no I need to know more (laughs) no I didn't go to college I went to community college and took a jazz history class that was pretty cool but that was that was pretty much the extent of it. I think there was like a philosophy class and an acting class. and um, But I had always been writing. I For a very long time, um, there was an, there was like a, I think it was like third grade, there was a short story called like The Rocket and the Rabbit. I don't remember anything. That's something I wrote. Oh, I see. And I was like, huh? Yeah, no, no. I wrote this, wrote. I wrote this short story. And I think it lived in a box for a very long time, and then the cat peed on the box, and the box had to go, and that was the end of that. I just, so I don't know anything. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the rabbit and the rocket was all about, but I'd always been been a writer, and I always enjoyed writing. And um, I've owned a few typewriters, um, which is always really cool, that sort of visceral typing. And, you know, Bukowski was a big influence. So um, getting drunk and sitting in front of the typer and writing you know, poems about drinking and, and, um, it was just a lot of fun and it was cool. And, and, and that sort of escalated to other things. And I, um, so I've always written and I've always had journals, most of them, not until recently have I actually been filling the whole thing. I don't know if you've ever had, like, sometimes I'll have a journal and I'll start something and then that'll go and I'll be like, ooh, a new notebook. That's what I need. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, all my girlfriends, will, you know, usually like, oh, you're probably, you're probably in need of a new journal. And I was like, well, I do, but I have so many that mm-hmm. are like, have like three words written in them mm-hmm. that I need to get back to. There's a lot of guilt in my life. <laughs> yes. No. And, and so I've just, I just started filling them instead of, instead of putting them away and. Um, I've always been a writer. I've always, I mean, fundamentally that's all of of all the stuff that I do. I mean, that seems to be the thing that I gravitate back toward. Um, you know, currently in the, in the, in the latest incarnation of the writings, um, you know, for Green Camel Press, we, um, 
we do some stop motion animation and we did we wrote, so i wrote a few different poems yeah tell me a little bit about uh green mm-hmm. camel press so you do comic strips we do comic strips yes uh we are working on a children's book about the wildfires that have happened here in california um we do greeting cards uh we do the stop motion animation we have a two or three of two of those and uh what i mean what we'd really like to do is get into animation and doing cartoons as well so that requires a lot of writing because we have to come up with characters and you have to give them personalities and you have to they have to have interesting things to say you know and so that's that's a lot of fun for me so i'll sit down with my partner with nabil and he's the illustrator so he'll draw something and i'll say and a lot of times it'll just be stuff that he's going to throw away you know like he'll scribble a little rabbit or something like that and i'm like you know what that's kind of cool i'm going to take that or there was a crocodile was a thing on a was a crocodile on a piece of receipt paper with the words, uh, the crocodile that ate the moon, which was from some fantasy book that he had been reading. And I was like, huh, I can do something with that. What is that? And I kind of put it up on the board. And then I wrote this whole poem, this whole poem about the crocodile that ate the moon. And I said, I've got an idea. So I want you to draw this, 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 and this. We'll cut it out. I'll do the stop motion. And then I had him read the poem and it just became this thing. So that's, you know, we do, we do that with Green Camel Press. We have greeting cards, I don't want to say all over Sonoma, but you can get them at the, um, if I may plug a little yeah, bit. Yeah, plug away. Um, at the museum downtown. Okay. Um, the Is it Socks on the Square? Oh, yes. Um, they are at Harvest Home mm. out uh, down Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, up in Healdsburg at, um, is it Market 377? Is a great little shop for gifts and stuff. I know that's a little ways away from us, but... Um, so I, we had Christmas cards at Frenchie's last year. So if there's anybody who needs cards, greencamelpress.com, we, we got them for you. Um, but that was, you know, the greeting cards was, was meant to be a stepping stone, right? We just wanted to find something cool and interesting. It's a small piece of affordable art. And that's what it was. Instead of trying to create this whole book and then find somebody to publish it and then find somebody to distribute it and all that stuff, it's like, well, we can put this on a greeting card. We can get them printed locally, and we can sell, I can sell them you know, door-to-door. And that's, that's how it started was because we wanted to get something in people's hands. So how do you, through this creative process, mm-hmm. like, how does it make you feel um, when, when, you're, when you're in it? When you are in, when I am in the creative process, um, oftentimes frustrating. Uh, I think there's a lot of just sort of sitting and Mm. thinking, you know, because once something sparks, then you go, okay, yeah, let's do this, 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 and this. And for me, it, it almost comes like all the steps come immediately. And then I'll go, okay, boom, that's done. But there's a lot of going, yeah, I don't really know what to do with that or, huh, there's a little bit of an idea that'll float around and I'll kind of grab a couple pieces of paper and scribble something on it. Or if it's a piece of artwork that uh, Nabil has done and I'll just kind of think about that. And I have a couple of them that are sitting on the dresser that are just kind of ruminating right now. And I'm like, well, I like that and I don't know where that's going. You know, we have this whole other thing. And now that you mention it, this is very, or that I mention it or that we're talking about it, the rabbit and the rocket, which is this thing that I wrote in... 
third what, grade? Third grade? Mm -hmm. So he drew this character called the alien rabbit, which is just sort of a rabbit with tentacles. And this one of the cards has a little rocket and a rabbit on it. And so um, there was this idea that I had for doing a stop motion with this. And um, it makes me feel good, but I have to have an outline of what to do. Because um, once you've gone through all of the aimless meandering and thinking about stuff, it's like, okay, so let's make a list of all the things that we need to draw, write, cut out. I do storyboards for all of the all the stop motion animation stuff to just very crude little. I am not I I do not draw, um, right. or I do I should say I do not draw well, um, but uh, they're very crude little storyboards, and then we just sit down and do it. And you know, in in a situation like the stop motion stuff, that can take like six or eight. Or there's I did one um, that took like nine hours of just sitting at the table and click take a picture move a piece of paper so but i love that you're saying this because i think in this t it's age where everything is like instant gratification mm -hmm. um <clears throat> a lot of creativity happens in w over a long period of time and it is a lot of sitting mm -hmm. and is it is a lot of redoing and sitting some more and thinking and that's the thing that people don't realize i think they just want i think a lot of people who who start these processes are like, I'm not getting anything. I'm done. I'm, I'm not good at this. I mm -hmm. can't. So like, did you have that happen to you? And how did you push through? And like, basically, what's your mantra? <laughs> yeah. Well, I say my mantra now is to really do my best not to judge the things that I create. And that's not always easy because if you want to be good at something, if like if I want to if I want to get good at something, I'm going to have to be bad at it for for probably a long time. And you're okay with that? <laughs> yeah. I, if I want to get good at it, I'm going to have to be good, be okay but with being a, bad at that's it. That's a great realization. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, even even with the, I think I I finally broke down and bought Final Cut Pro because I wanted some professional video editing, and and I remember bringing it up and going getting really excited, and I opened my laptop and I'm like. I don't know what any of this is. Oh man, this is <laughs> this sucks. And and now I love I love working on it. You know. So. Next song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Steely Dan. Oh, uh, I absolutely love Steely Dan. Uh, another one from my um, from the record collection. Uh, from your dad's record. From my collection? dad's record collection. My mother's a huge fan. Um, most of the people in my life are big fans. I think Steely Dan is just this sort of really weird and ethereal there's there's a lot of world building that goes into each song um so you kind of get lost in these these characters and these very deep character um expose is not the right word but uh they just they go into this these really interesting characters in different worlds and so that's the thing that i really love about steely dan not to mention that it's just awesome soulful funky and Lots of great lines. Yeah. 
was your dad um, musical? My father was not a musician in any way, but he was an avid collector of music. He um, he's no longer with us, um, but he he had a vast record collection. And as far as I know, even before I was born, um, you know, Las Vegas in the 1970s and the 80s uh, was was a huge time for music. I mean, that was one of the places where people went. Um, where big names went. Lots Elvis. Of yes. Did Elvis you ever see and, Elvis? Uh, I don't think he saw Elvis. I know that there were pictures of him growing up with like Willie Nelson. I think he may have seen some of the Rat Pack. He worked in the showroom in 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 the Aladdin. No, in Caesar's Palace. The Sahara. That's what it was. Mm. So he worked the showroom at the Sahara, and so there'd be all these pictures of him with all these famous musicians. So he was a avid record collector and a big lover of music. Um, you know, talking to my mother, they would go out dancing all the time. So being able to get off work at four or five or six in the morning and go to like some funk soul disco club and just go dancing whenever. And, you know, 24 hour record stores, uh, the, it's the, I think it's, is it Odyssey records is the one that's still a big record store there. Um, yeah. And, um, one thing that you reminded me of too, was uh this story with my mother and hi mom uh she (laughs) i remember getting a ride to school in like junior high or something like that and i i feel like it was a cure cassette tape that i was making her listen to on the ride there i don't remember if it was or not um but that's the feeling i get and i remember her I was turning it up or messing with the radio or trying to make her listen to something that she didn't want to listen to. And she like hit the, like turned off the volume and said, does everything in life have to have a soundtrack? And I didn't say anything to her at the time. You know, it was early. She was, she was frustrated with that in that moment. And, but later on I was thinking like, yeah, yeah, it does. It totally does. I think that it does. I feel like it does. And, um, I've always been someone who wanted to have headphones in or wanted to make sure um, I had the right music. Mm-hmm. Like that was always an important part of every party or road trip or or anything, you know, setting a mood, setting a vibe. Being a bartender for, you know, like 15 yeah. years, I can't tell you how many times I would go in a bar and you're if the lighting and the and the music's not right. It just you don't want to be there, mm. right? And yeah, so having a good atmosphere is part of it is having good music to listen to or to at least have in the background. So, um, yeah. So my dad was a huge not musical, and uh, I don't think either of my parents were musical. Mom, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting something, <laughs> but um, but yeah, they both loved music, and they both grew up in a time. You know, when some of the best, I think, the best American music and, you know, music in general came out in the 50s and 60s and 70s for me was definitely something that I look back to and go like, that was really cool stuff. Yeah. And they introduced it to you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And Do you have any siblings? I do. My brother, uh, I have a younger brother, James. Uh, he and my mom are probably driving to some Thanksgiving festivities as we speak. Uh, he lives down in San Luis Obispo. And um, he is an avid, I would call him a botanist, not out of any um, self-educated botanist. Uh, That's I, awesome. <laughs> I 
remember. I'm and very jealous, actually, <laughs> seriously. To this day, if you if we were to go outside and we would go to those whatever plants are out there in the yeah. parking lot, he would be able to go over, um, touch them, look at them, and give you the scientific name and what they are and what they do and how they work with you know all this stuff. So, I mean, we would go on hikes or whatever, and he he would know them. And this is as a child, as a little kid, he studied. That's like past plants. life stuff. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I don't that's know. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So that's his his love, his passion. He, you know, he works now and does does um it's more than just landscaping, you know. He does like indoor plant design and stuff like that for people down in San Luis Obispo and the Central Coast and um so yeah. Um, but and then does he know like the medicinal, you know, properties of these plants as well? He does. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. even even outside of out of uh, medicinal marijuana, like all the other stuff that yes. there is, right? Yes. I mean, that's what people think when you say medicinal yeah. plants. But um, he's definitely a uh, a plant guy. Yeah, like, I'm thinking <clears throat> eucalyptus for your, mm-hmm. you know, for breathing and things like that. Yes. Um, <laughs> that that's where I go. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. And are you close? We are. I mean, we've gotten closer in the last since he's moved to California, and some other things have shifted. Um, we've definitely got closer. I went for a visit um, earlier this year and didn't have nearly enough time. But uh, I think as we've grown up, we've gotten closer, which is pretty cool. Because you know, siblings can be argumentative yeah. at best growing up. I think it's like every <laughs> parent's dream that they're children get along you know Mm -hmm. for many years after you know they've grown up um at least i know that's my mom's dream yes (laughs) we do we do yeah um unlovable oh my god the smiths come on so So good (laughs) i was always a huge uh morrissey fan and so the one of the the co-host of the a's for alcoholic podcast jerry wagner jr who is my best friend uh i've known him for years we that's how we connected was i think uh i did i trade him a smith's tape for some simpsons on vhs or some vice versa and so we connected and we're like yeah i love the smiths and um i thought that this song really i couldn't pick i didn't know which smith song to pick but i thought that this one really epitomized the whole sort of ennui and longing and sadness of morrissey and Oh, and it was always one of my favorites. Best. Yeah. i
Yes. I used to think it was cheesy, and now I'm just, uh, you know, it's like Pavlov's dog mm-hmm. when I hear the gong. I know. I know. I need to. I, we are back. We are <laughs> back with John Staley and um, Staley. Staley. Yeah. Yes. People say Stanley. I did, too, and I didn't mean to. But That's it okay. Happens. It happens. But it's John Staley, yes. and, he's a, and he's a writer, and he is here with us today. He also has three podcasts, which we haven't talked about, so I'd like to talk a little bit okay. about those. Um Tell me what so, you're doing with the well, podcast. I, you know, I was, uh, I was also, just to preface it, I was a DJ on um, both college and high school radio in Eugene for seven years on and off. And I felt like it was way too easy to talk to you, by the way. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yes. Go ahead. So I have lots of experience in front of the microphone and be, sitting in dark padded rooms with walls of CDs and stuff like that. But um, so this was kind of an easy transition. Um, so I'll go real quick or, you know, the there's the A is for Alcoholic podcast, which uh, my friend Jerry and I, who he is five years sober and I'm four years sober. Um, you know, we drank for many, 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 many years together, like at the same parties, we lived together. We, you know, so there's a lot of shared experience there. And, um, originally, uh, he lives in Oregon and originally we just would get on FaceTime and talk and just kind of have like a little check-in meeting with each other about how you feeling, what's going on and discuss the things that were bothering us or discuss the things that were helping us, you know, stay sober and, and deal with our our uh, our problems with alcohol and i think it was his idea or so he said something like we should start a podcast and i was like okay so i went and i bought a microphone and and um my girlfriend rashida was she said well let's go and buy all the domain names you know we're going to do this we're going to do it right and because it, it originally was going to be a book and it still is um and so we started this podcast called a is for alcoholic and comes out every Friday and we just get on and we pick a topic we start from A to Z so that's like half the year um and we go you know A I think last was the last one was like U is for using other people's minds to help you uh you know with your recovery or T was for thankful so you know for Thanksgiving and that kind of thing and we just sit and we talk about it for an hour and sometimes we figure things out and sometimes we sometimes we don't (laughs) <laughs> and that's fine too, you know. How do you feel about <clears throat> being a re- recovering alcoholic and and um, in a town like this? I mean, it is wine country, and it's it's allowed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> people can drink, and no one. I mean, compare. I've lived in a bunch of different places in my mm-hmm. life, and and this is the most. Um, living here, I think I've drank the most that I've ever drank in my life. Yeah. And n- not on purpose, <laughs> but just yeah. through interactions mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, and and I think my alcohol intake has gone up over the years, you know, mm-hmm. which is surprising. I drink more than everyone else in my family, and it's crazy, but it's not, you know, by, I think, people here who live here, n- not as much as them. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. But let's all, But anyway, it's, it's like um, how do you how do you how do you manage all? Of well, that? I think that I had a pretty good, um, a pretty good. 
I have a lot of experience as a bartender dealing right. with people who have have had too much. So uh, you know, I've learned. I I don't have any judgment around people who who drink or even people who drink too much. You know, the, I think a lot of it just comes from your proximity to me and your behavior. You drink whatever you want. But, but, but I mean, <laughs> but, how do how do you feel yourself? Like, does it does it is it harder to not drink? No, I don't. I don't have any issues with that now. Um, and, you know, and people still offer me stuff all the time, constantly, you yeah, know, yeah. and you'll be at a party or you'll be somewhere or, yeah, I just got this. And I'm like, no, thanks. Uh, and I just say, no, thanks. I've had enough. And that usually, you know, they, everybody knows what that means, whether it's I've had enough for the last, you know, 15 years or I've had enough tonight. And um, so it doesn't really bother me. I have no problem saying no to it. Um, and people usually are not pushy after that everybody understands when you've had enough so I don't I don't feel any sort of I'm not afraid to go into I had to go make a delivery for something at the Starling and I walked in there and it was nice to see everybody and I sat down and something to drink and I said you know what I'll have a club soda uh and oh no nothing I'm like yeah I gotta drive you know and it's so it's it's fine for me. I don't have a problem with it. And there's lots of cool things to do for people who don't drink in Sonoma. And, um, you know, but, and that's why people come to visit here is for the wine and for the food. And I think that's great. But I've come across a lot of people, you know, tending bar and waiting tables, guests who are burned out and have this, a real, you know, wine fatigue is a very real thing where you're just like, I'm done with this. I don't want any more wine. And you've got all these amazing regional parks, you know, to go hiking in. There's, there's lots of cool stuff to do. Um, there's tons of museums. The DeRosa Museum uh, on the way to Napa. There's um, horseback riding. So there's, there are other things to go and do. And so I think that that, that too makes me a valuable resource for those people who are, who are kind of over it, you yeah, know? Yeah, So A is for alcoholic. A is for alcoholic. And... and that's your first podcast. That's the recovery podcast. Yep. Um, I also do one with my girlfriend called Rashida and John. Uh, Rashida Clendenning is her name. And we talked about, um, you know, the fitness journey that we've both been on for the last year. I, I mean, I guess it's been for more than that. but Yeah, and um, I just want to say, <laughs> when I came to see you today here at the studio, I was <laughs> like, is that John? Um, mm-hmm. I believe I met you when you were bartending at EDK, mm-hmm. and um, you look totally different. Yes, well, I was I was about eighty pounds heavier, so that'll that'll change the way somebody looks. Um, and but that podcast is about her and I just you know talking about our weight loss. And it originally was there's lots of before and after pictures, and that's what people see. And it's that whole during process that we don't hear a lot about all the the struggles and issues right. and and even like the motivation and the inspiration and all the the exciting stuff of seeing things change and happen the way that you want them to. So I mean, and that you know, we can go into, uh, how that, that weight loss happened. If you want, I just want to go over the podcast. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Rashida and John, and that comes out, we kind of do that more. It's scheduled more about what we feel inspired to talk about, um, rather than, you know, grinding out an episode every week. Um, and then the other one I do with my friend, Walter Schmidt, who is a, uh, currently a bartender, uh, here in Sonoma, and he's been in the restaurant business like I have for many, many, many years. And that one's called Gluten is Not Your Problem. And uh, <laughs> it's more of a, it's it's very much a comedy podcast. We joke about the service industry, about food culture, about wine culture, about all the things that revolve around that. And he he just has a lot of great, funny insights. 
he's led a very interesting life, and so he always has lots of funny stories, and um, it's just great. Again, somebody I've known for 20-plus years, so the rapport is really good, and we have a very easy time talking with each other and and just you know joking about what's going on in Sonoma and and what it's like to be in a restaurant and what it's like to sit down and be a guest and you know oh we went to this place and we had a really weird experience or we went to this place and it was awesome you know so we do restaurant reviews and different stuff whatever we feel like talking about that day do you love it I do yes (laughs) yes I do you're in your happy place I am yes in front of the microphone absolutely so um we're not so basically I already told you this when we were on a break uh-huh. but we're not going to get through all your stuff and okay. so I'm going to have to get you to come back so will you come okay. back yes will you please come yes. back yes good so um we're going to maybe get through one maybe two more songs but okay. um, um the next song that you chose <laughs> was um easy did we listen to that one Easy. No? we didn't listen to easy no we didn't yeah. So easy. And in, in this one in particular is the uh, Faith No More version. Yes. Now, Faith No More was another one of these pivotal bands in high school that I loved, 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 loved. Heavy metal, funky. Um, Mike Patton is an amazing vocalist, and he has a huge amount. He has a huge body of work. And um, one of the things, the reason I picked this song, a couple reasons, was it was the first CD I ever bought was this single. Ah. The very first CD. Um and also that this is this this comes from a band that is known for doing heavy metal and rock and roll and like loud, you know, almost obnoxious kind of music, right? Uh, stuff that I love. And then to flip the script and do a Lionel Richie, do a Commodore's cover, <laughs> it's just it blew my mind. Just the the diversity, you know. Yeah, and I don't even think I've heard it, so oh. I'm 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 ready. It's beautiful. But I just can't stand the pain Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can Um, It's just a... I just love this idea of bands that can sort of traverse different genres. And I think that comes up later in this playlist as well. But it was just one of these things where I was like, this is so cool. How I didn't know you could do this as a band. I thought, you know, growing up, like, there's, there's rock and roll, there's hip-hop, there's, you know, there's all these different classifications. And so it was just this thing that kind of... And I think on the same single, back when people used to buy... Uh, CD singles and you know you go searching through the Tower Records import bins and find these cool things I think one of the other songs on this uh, EP or whatever was like some German polka drinking song or something like that and so there was all this cool stuff or they did some sort of lounge version of a Dead Kennedy song too and so that was something that really struck me as like wow you don't have to be just one thing how nice. <laughs> How nice. It's a good, right. a good thing to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. Ew. 
next for you? What's you next? Know? Yeah, um, what's well, next? Like, uh, are you planning on staying in Sonoma? And what do you think about living in Sonoma since since you've been here? I think Sonoma's great. I I love it. It's it's quaint and rustic and fun and quiet and it's it's a really comfortable place to live for me it's been very good to me and you've been here how many years now i will have been in sonoma since 15 so four four plus years okay yeah so actually you did you you never drank the whole time you've been uh, here or just, a little bit just I mean, at I, the beginning when you i worked because i worked at el dorado and i was also i was living in napa so i was but i this is sonoma's where i got sober yeah so that's kind of a big deal interesting um, what's next? You know, I've got some ideas for like, um, you know, Green Camel Press. We're doing like for a comic strip that we want to do that's sort of bar related humor because that's what we know as bartenders. And, you know, I think what else might be cool is like. I have seen some of the comics and they right. are so fantastic. So, thank so you. Fantastic. Thank you. And I was also thinking, you know, what might be cool is like a column about being sober in Sonoma. I mean, if only I knew somebody who was involved in a local <laughs> publication that might be interested in these things. Mm. I don't know, but we might um, have to look into that. <laughs> right, yeah, we gotta find that person for you. <laughs> but um, that's a great idea. But you know, I want to. I want to keep doing these podcasts because it's fun. Um, Green Camel Press is something that I really feel like. You know, we just started this a year, year and a half ago. So I really want to see where we can take it. And I, I have some big ideas about doing animation and having books and you know creating something that you know is is exciting and fun for people you know right so. on well thank you we're out of time we're out of time we're out of time thank you so much for coming and um super grateful that yes. you are here today on thanksgiving mm -hmm. day and um hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you back here next week i think I've i think so do yes. the part two next week all right john staley <laughs> thank you thank you all about you welcome to the show guys um this is your host renata verk i am the society editor of valley of the moon magazine your local number one publication right here in town if you have not picked your copy as i always say pick up a copy today um we have a lot of uh, great things in this uh, current issue um from the holiday gift guide to talking about power outages and um and more so Enough about me. This show is all about you. And uh, if you guys were listening last week uh, on our Thanksgiving show, I had John Staley uh, on the show, and he is a writer and an artist. Um, and he also has three podcasts that he co-hosts. Mm -hmm. A is for Alcoholic, Rashida and John, and Gluten is Not Your Problem. And he also uh, co-founded and started a, a company called Green Camel Press with his friend Nabil Sharif. So uh, we couldn't get through everything last week, so I asked John <laughs> to come back, yay, so, so that we could go over the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, How many John. people get two, get two parts? So not, not a lot of people, so you can feel really <laughs> special. Okay. I was just like, well, you have some good music here, and you have stories behind the music, of course. And and we only got through, like, one of the podcasts, so we talked a lot mm -hmm. about A's for Alcoholic, but we didn't talk about the other two. So I kind of wanted to yeah, keep going. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was um, excited that you said yes. So, so thank yeah, you. I, this I, it's great. I love I love being here, and it's uh, it's it really is an honor to to be asked. I mean that sincerely. Um, 
So the podcast thing. So I think I told you last week about um, that. I had I have experience in radio, right? I've yeah. done college and I was on a high school radio uh, program where we did like the two to five thirty in the morning. So we didn't have a whole lot of listeners. Wow. It was you know the, the it was like the guy at the gas station and the uh, the guy who made bagels at three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. But it was it was a lot of fun. So I'm happy to be here. So podcasts were sort of a natural thing when they came about and when I finally got to the point where I was like, oh, so I can actually do this. This is something cool. Well, what do I have to offer? And, you know, we did the AS for Alcoholic one, which um, which just talks about my recovery from alcoholism with my friend. Uh, but I do another one. I do two other ones. Uh, Rashida and John is one that I do with my girlfriend, Rashida. And, you know, it started as we were both on this this fitness journey, you know, I, I, um, and I, we were talking about a lot of before and after pictures and that's all that anybody ever sees yep. is, you, you know, when they're, when somebody's trying to sell you something, when they're trying to sell you supplements or a, a program or something, it's like, this is before and this is after. And there's this huge amount of uh, time that goes in between. And so originally we were just, uh, she came up with the idea of the during project, you know, what happens during that period because this none of this happens overnight and I'm still in the middle of this um you know I've dropped 80 pounds in the last year and so we we talk about all this stuff and so amazing actually (laughs) like actually for Um, a moment like 80 pounds like mm -hmm. I, I find it hard to drop five so 80 pounds is um is substantial and yeah like how do you feel right now so I feel I feel great. Um, I feel awesome. Um, I feel better than I ever have. You know, I'm, I'm 40, I'll be 43 and I feel better than I did when I was 33. Yeah. And that's the truth. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, that happened and how this happened was not just because I had been trying to lose weight, but I wasn't trying very hard. And so, you know, that's one of the things we talk about on the podcast, Rashida and John, is is how we go about this stuff and not just our physical health, but mental health and the health of our relationship and and all those kinds of things. But for me, I was I I was just getting tired of my own nonsense. You know, I I had a friend who lost about 50 pounds and he was just counting calories. And I said, well, if that works for him, maybe it'll work for me. And the moment. My my moment of clarity in this particular instance was I downloaded this calorie counting app. I didn't change a thing, and I counted how many calories that I had eaten in that day and how much exercise I had done, and it scared me, you know, wow. because I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to change anything, so if you're going to have some chocolate chip cookies for breakfast and fried rice for lunch and then you're going to eat pizza, and it was it was in the realm of like, almost 6,000 calories, which is about three times as much as for somebody my size and, you know, age and whatnot. But then when you think about it, it's like, it's just a couple of chocolate chips and it's just a little bit of fried rice and Mm -hmm. it's just like two slices or a pizza, Right. right? So like, you know, cause we're so like, oh, I didn't really eat anything today, but you did. Mm -hmm. But like, because it's just a chocolate chip cookie, it doesn't seem like I I really ate anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, the one thing that I've learned too, is that um, when things are not for me, 
when they're not um, nutritionally dense, when they don't have a lot of nutrients, my body is still craving whatever it is. So it's totally. not getting what it wants from yeah. a chocolate chip cookie. So it says, give me more, give me more, give me more. Okay, I have a question for yes. you. So <laughs> you're 43 now. Yes, I right? will be in March. You, you mm-hmm. will be in March. So you'll be 43 in March. How, um, first of all, did you ever try to lose weight before this? Or was this the first time you actually decided to lose weight? This is the first time I decided in earnest to ever do anything so that's not okay so in earnest so like in the past i'm just curious what kind of stuff did you even kind of attempt to do um i'm just thinking about people who have done stuff and nothing's like worked and then they're like uh, like what yeah go ahead and answer that because i have a reason for my question okay i will i think i think one um i didn't really try before when i was drinking because it just wasn't interesting to me and alcohol is just empty for me, it was just empty calories. So I wasn't, it, it didn't matter. And so I thought that it would just melt right off as soon as I quit drinking. But I replaced those, uh, I replaced alcohol with sugar. I replaced it in specific with ice cream. And I would find, um, I would find myself doing things like eating a pint of ice cream and then eating another pint of ice cream and going to different stores to buy these pints of ice cream like two and three at a time because i didn't want to go back out and the same exact behavior that i would do with alcohol where i was like i don't want anyone to know i don't want the clerk behind the 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 counter to know that i'm buying three pints of ice cream and i'm probably going to eat them all in one night and so this behavior was was happening and i had to come to terms with that so I did very little in in the past as far as my my calorie intake was way out, out, you know, exceeding any sort of walking or anything. And I was so big that everything hurt, you Mm -hmm. know, even just going for walks. And that was the bulk of it was just like trying to walk a mile a day. So there wasn't a lot of like trying until I saw and that I was like, wow, this is going to kill me. Like that was the moment that that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I want to ask you is Mm -hmm. why did this suddenly like what, how was this your aha moment? How was it different? Yeah. How was it different? Like why, why did it click for you? Because so many people know all of these things Mm -hmm. that they're doing isn't good for them. Yeah. And they will go like, oh, I'm on an intermittent diet or um, look, I'm yeah. not eating in this time, but still I'm not losing weight and, you know, and, and all of this stuff. But but I feel like they're they're not committed. Right. So you decided to be committed. And I just mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like how? I'm always curious about yeah. this with people like why? Why did you just like why did it click for you? Or well, how the th- did it click? Th- I you? think the thing that clicked was seeing the numbers. And so it was in stark it was literally on my phone screen, you know, in black and white, um, that this was not going to work. This was not going to sustain me. I mean, I had been in pain. I had hurt myself. Uh, I, I was laid up for like almost three weeks cause I had sprained my ankle. Mm. Um, I was just always in pain. My back was always hurting. I threw out my back one time and I just saw these numbers and I said, and I saw that somebody who was very, very close to me, you know, my best friend Jerry had done this and he looked great. And I remember him from being bloated and big. And, you know, yeah. we were always like the fat guys in the group, you know? Yeah. And so I saw these numbers and I said, this has to stop. What's it going to take? And so I just tried the next day. I said, okay, well, I want to lose this much weight. And I plugged it in and it said, you have this many calories to, to, um, to play with. And I just started to realize how, 
how many calories are in all these different foods. So I became aware of it, you know, like a chocolate chip cookie is about 110 calories. Right. You know, I can have 20 chocolate chip cookies, but I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm going to be sick, you know, and that's, but that's all I have for the day. And so it just, I just started to realize things like, and again, I don't, I don't preach any particular kind of, I don't preach anything, Yeah. but um, for me, things like meat and things like cheese, which are high in calories, I couldn't eat a lot of them. So then I was still hungry. So then I, I was just slowly teaching myself that eat more vegetables and eat more fruits. And also that I had to do activity. I had to, I had to be in a caloric deficit every single day. Okay. So I'm going to stop for mm-hmm. one second and be like, all right, no, but seriously, <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to break this down a little yes. so I can understand it. So, so the next day mm-hmm. you see actually how many calories you're allowed. Yes. And you followed that for that one day, correct? Did you correct? Think? And yes. How did you feel at the end of that day? Like, was it? I'm just immediately I felt, after. Like, I felt, um, I felt deprived. Yeah. I felt um, that all these things that I wanted and that I was used to, my body was used to having, right? And my mind, my brain was the one that was that had developed all these addictions to sugar and cheese and and you know bread and meat yeah. and all these things and so it felt pretty bad mm. you know it was not it was it wasn't this sort of immediate miraculous thing it was right. slow it was grinding it was oftentimes irritating and i went through this whole phase in february with this low calorie ice cream uh <laughs> where i was then i was just eating as little as possible all day so i could crush like two pints of ice cream at the end, three pints of ice cream at the end of the night. And I was like, well, it's low calorie and I'm still under my thing, but it wasn't a really good way to eat and it wasn't sustainable for me, you know? And so how is your brain keeping you going and not saying, ah, whatever, because like, ah, anyway, let's just have this. Uh, Habit. Um, Habit. Habit. I, you know, my brain still does do, do that all the time. I was thinking about this when I came, came here today. And I was thinking, well, what am I going to wear? And I said, well, it's not that cold outside. It's only like 55 and it's not raining hard. You could go for a run. And so why not just dress to go for a run? Because if I was wearing jeans, I definitely wouldn't go out there. But if I have running shoes and shorts on, I at least now have the option to just walk out of the studio and start running. Right. So developing those habits. And it was just started with walking a mile a day. Mm. And that was hard. And then it was two miles. And then... Um, I think somewhere around March, I read this book by a gentleman named Mishka Shubali, and I if I highly suggest it to everyone. He uh, he was an alcoholic, drug addict, rock and roll dude from uh, this. The stories take a lot of place in New York, but he sobered up and he started running. And I listened to this on Audible while I was walking. And it was super inspiring, super, Ooh, I love that. you know, I love while you're walking, while I'm walking. And I remember like, I just started crying at the end of one of these stories that he was telling mm. and I'm out there and I'm going, Oh God, I feel so good. So I, I ran, I sprinted like a block and that's all I could do. And I was just, I just had this epiphany that this is what I need to do is do more of this and get it out. You know, one of the things that I learned you know, in, in recovery is there's a lot of poison inside of me and I have to get that out. And part of that is crying. And I wasn't, it's not something that comes easy to me, but it would happen when I would go running. So I'd go, so there was this, again, this feedback loop of go out running, cry, feel better, do it again. Cause that feels good. Mm. And then the weight little by little by little 
would start to come off. And there were days where, ah, I, I really want to eat this or, ah, you know, and a craving is just, it, it doesn't last forever. We have them all the time and then they're gone. So you just kind of have to, I mean, I just had to ride the wave for a little bit and I had, you know, uh, stumbling blocks and things that didn't work. And I tried this and I tried that and I didn't cut out meat and cheese right away. It took a long time. So you started this journey when? This would technically, uh, yeah, November 1st, 2018. Okay. So a little over a year ago. Right. Um, and somewhere in the spring, I was talking to my friend, who uh, Nabil Sharif, who does the Green Camel Press with me. Right. Uh, he is an avid runner and has been for decades. So he's, I think he's, he's like 10 years older than I am. And he's been running since uh, high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was all, he would always say this to me and he's like, I can see it in you. You are, you are strong. You could be like Hercules. You just need to get out there. And, and I, I didn't listen because you know, it's nobody, you don't listen to anybody. You have to figure these things out on your own. Right. And so I just started doing it and I said, Hey man, he said something about wanting to go to Joshua tree to go take a trip to the desert. And I said, that sounds great. And then I found this half marathon and I said, do you want to go on this half marathon? I said, I am not prepared for this at all, but it gave me like this goal. Yeah. So, okay. This was in maybe March or April. And I said, in November, I got to get, I got to get to a point where I can run 13 miles in the desert. (laughs) So that was that there was a lot of motivation in that. And part of it, was also developing the habits, which developed the discipline so that when the motivation wasn't there, it didn't matter because I rarely want to, you know, I, I, I don't oftentimes have this strong desire to go running, but if I forget about that, like the, I don't want us mm. and I just go do it. I feel so much better afterwards. And I know it sounds simple and I know it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. No, it's not easy at all. <laughs> That's why I'm fascinated. <laughs> We're, we're going to take a quick break yes. and be back with yes. John Staley. And we're going to listen to some music after our mm-hmm. break, too. All right? Yes. We'll be right back. Wow. I actually think we were on air the whole time that that was on. <laughs> and so, yeah, oh, a little insider information there. Yes. I was just like, wait a minute. I never – anyway. Anyway, you guys, that was fun. I think you um, – we didn't say anything that we shouldn't say. No, not there. at all. No. Okay. no. <laughs> um, we are back with John Staley. And um, as you all know, we do have a music element to my show. Mm-hmm. And um, last week we were able to get through half of John's playlist. The reason for this um, part of the show is really kind of to dig a little bit deeper into our, our guests and their personalities. And one of the best ways to do that is through the music that's influenced them in their lives. And because it brings them back to a certain time in their life. And, um, generally there's a story attached. So, um, with the, with the next song, big boss Lee, um, why don't you tell me Royal crown review. So I think the year is 1998 and, uh, swing music makes this big comeback in popular music. There was Royal Crown Review and Squirrel Nut Zippers and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. And so I got hooked into this with my buddy Jerry. And, you know, we all wore suits and fedoras and chain wallets and that whole, and you know, the wingtip shoes and the whole thing. And so it was always this fun, exciting kind of vibe to go out and we'd go to swing dance clubs and uh, we'd always play it on the jukebox if they had it. 
and I loved Royal Crown Review. I saw, I've seen them in, in concert a couple of different times, and they're just, I guess they're what you'd call hard-boiled swing. It's very powerful and jumpy and drum-based, and it was just a lot, a lot of fun. And so there was a lot, and I was 21 years old, so, you know, it was just a really cool time, and it was a lot of fun. This town shuts down too damn soon. We'll like it, we'll like it. This straight, you're swing dancing. I would never have known that you, you, you not swing very dance. well, uh-huh. no, not very well. Um, you know, and it, I remember being at one show, uh, this is actually a band called Indigo Swing, and this girl comes up to me and asks me to dance, and I'm like, I don't dance very well, and she's like, That's fine, let's just dance. And it turns out she was touring with the band, and that was like her job was to go find people <laughs> who weren't dancing and get them to dance. But it was, you know, um, it was just a really fun time, and it was, you know, I you can hear in the song, it was a lot of hard drinking and after hours and partying and trying to look cool and all the stuff that you do when you're 21. Yeah. So and but swing music was uh, always a big part of that. And where were you? I was in um, Eugene, Oregon. In Oregon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've always been a fan of old music and lots of different music. And I think that music um, and I don't know if I said this last week, but there's definitely a, a time in your life when you're younger that it hits you harder. Then when you're in your even my 30s and 40s, definitely the stuff that I listened to in high school and in my 20s were a lot more powerful than um, stuff that I hear now. And there's just a lot of that. I don't know what these kids are listening to these <laughs> days, but and I try to listen to new music, but I don't always find myself as excited and inspired, mm. you know. Yeah, I do know. I, I, I tend to agree with you, though. My husband's the one who's always going to um, like South by Southwest and bringing mm-hmm. back bringing home music and i'm really grateful for that because he does all the hard work and then he brings back music and i'm like oh i like that yeah or i don't really like that and there's there's good stuff out there i'm i think kids today a lot of them are listening to rap music which is great um they connect with it Mm -hmm. but i I, i'm surprised that there's not more of a variety you know for them in as a whole i don't know call my kid the suburban hip hopper. i mean you haven't had a hard day in your life i mean yeah and i i just think that uh, just because I don't understand it doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't hold some value. Um, I mean, I have my own judgments on on music that comes out today, and I'm just not. I try to reserve those, and I just it's not for me, and that's fine. And if somebody wants to hear some stuff, I have three nephews. You know, two of them are one's eighteen, and one will be fifteen or sixteen. And so, if they have any questions about you know wanting to hear old music, I'm happy to I'm happy to answer those things. And something like that swing revolution in the late nineties was so cool. You know, I'd always known about swing music, but it wasn't something that really struck me. Yeah. I think that was very different for someone, you know, mm-hmm. at, at your age in that, at that time 
to be doing. Very different. Right? I mean, it was yeah. just, it was a very unique thing to happen in the world for that type of, that style of music for me to be, you know, 21 and 22 and, and for it to be, be around in the late 90s. So it was, it was very cool. So your girlfriend, Rashida. Yes. Um, was she, was she with you from the beginning of the process or did you meet her after uh, you started um, your weight loss and kind of alcohol-free existence? So I would, I got sober um, about five, f- four or five months before I met her. Um, we've been together for about four years. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, we met on Bumble. Okay. <laughs> so Bumble's an app, uh, kind of like Tinder, but the uh, the woman has more control about, you know, saying, contacting the guy. And we, she was up doing a show. She's a performer. Uh, she's a, uh, she's an actress. She's a singer. She's a performer. She does uh, voiceover acting. And she was up in St. Helena doing a show somewhere. And I had downloaded the app because I saw it on TV. And I was like, oh, this will, whatever. I never had any success whatsoever with any sort of online dating at all. I think it's so hard. To, yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. today. I really do. It is. It's different. It's weird. And and so we kind of connected back and forth. And there was a couple of miscommunications. She's like, I don't know. She was living in Oakland at the time. And um, she's like, I don't I'm not going to see this person. They're too far away. And I did the whole like one last chance. You know, I'm going to say hi. And and we started talking on the phone one night and we were on the phone for like it was one of those things where you you get on the phone with somebody and you're on the phone for like four hours. Wow. Yeah. And that's where it started. And, that's magic. And so it was really something cool. And and the whole we went through a whole phase in our, our relationship of indulgence, any you know, in each other, in food, in just going out and and getting excited to go out to dinner and stay in a hotel and get room service and all this stuff. And I think that um, you know, we both came to some realizations in the past I, even couple years, right? Yeah, and um, so we both were, and our journeys are very, very different. You know, um, it's 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 great to be able to come to her and go, oh, that works for you. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way, and to to get things from her that are not in my brain, and I it's it's a really great um, it's a really great compliment to my program to hear what hers is, and vice versa. And so it's just it's um. It's something that I am absolutely grateful for that we can we can do this thing together and we can do it differently and um, you know we can support each other in, and, in and, that way. And how has her weight loss journey been uh, compared to yours? Like, so you guys both started this the 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 weight loss journey together, correct? Well, yeah. Well, she's yeah. Mm-hmm, she started before me, and she's um, hers. She's done, she goes to the gym. She has a, um, she did have a trainer. She does have a trainer and she does a lot more stretching and walking and weightlifting. And the running thing was, that was it. I didn't do anything else, you know? Right. right. And so I think that was uh, pretty dramatic for me. Um, but it's so, so there's all these different things. She doesn't run, I run. She um, is extraordinarily flexible. You know, she does yoga and stretches and she juices and I don't juice. And so there's all these very different things, but none of them are 
at odds with each other or, you know, so it's, it's great that there are a myriad of ways that you can, you can get healthy and, and get fit. And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be one way or another. And so, I mean, that's a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is our differences because there's a lot of them, you know? Um, so it's just a, but it's, it's, it's completely supported on both sides, you nice. know? Yeah. Um, so I, Rashida and John, it's a, it's, it's a fun thing to do. And I really enjoy being able to sit down and talk with her and, and share it with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's another form of, um, of a nice date night, probably. <laughs> That's true. We do have fun with it. We do have fun with it for sure. For sure. Okay. I want to, I want to mm-hmm. choose a, the next song yes. on your list. Um, Habitat is the next oh, yeah. song. Um, so ahead. this is uh, Most Def, um, one of my favorite hip-hop artists. I was fortunate enough to, um, again, grow up in a time where people would say the golden age of hip-hop. And I think this album came out in 99. Uh, when we think of 90s hip-hop, we often think of early 90s. But Most Def is just an amazing lyricist. The music is great. I think the line in this one that I like is it's, it's he's talking about home and what home means. And um, it's not where you're from. It's where you're at. Because I don't, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, but I don't consider that home. And so that line really struck home with me. <laughs> and when was that in your life? Like, like that you're, you're, you know, that this song um, made, made, made an I impact on you? I probably didn't hear this until years after it was so, I don't know, 2000, 2010, maybe even, you know, so it was later for For, me. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah, so I didn't hear it until like 11 years after it was recorded. Um, But it's kind of like that. I love that line of it's not it's not where you're from. It's where you're at. Mm. And I think that's always been something for me. so good yeah and it's got a good beat and it's just <laughs> it's awesome um but just that idea that um 
you've got to find it wherever you're at because everything everything is always changing and i i don't imagine maybe Sonoma's not the last place I ever live, but in the, in the beginning, you kind of hear he's talking and he says something to the effect of um, home and he's giving definitions and it's, it's a source where, you know, you, you discover things or something like that. And I just love that idea that you, I have to find it wherever I'm at. I have to create it. So where is home for you in your mind? Like, where is that, that place of comfort? Like when you close your eyes and think, what's the image that comes to you? Um, that bring that you're like yeah that's home i love sitting in my living room and looking out in the front yard and you know i've seen there's this lots of gardens and there's a pomegranate tree and there's uh, peach and nectarine and tomatoes and stuff and so i've i watched them all the seasons kind of come through and so right now everything's falling and dying and it's wet and and then next spring it'll come up again and and it's so i always love being there with like a cup of coffee and mm. writing in my notebook in the morning and that's currently where i feel really blessed to be yeah so i'm very happy with that i like that that's nice so you have another podcast yes yes and before so i i just want to talk about the the half marathon yeah just a minute of course and then i want to tell you about the gluten because that's really happening you're so you just you were talking to your friend yes um your your colleague my colleague nabil yes my partner and um we decide we plunk the money down we make all the reservations we i i'm running every single day of that i can like of this year um i've only missed a handful uh maybe more than a handful now that it's gotten cold and wet but yeah how far uh, are you running so i i do i try to do at least three to four miles a day um or when i go out when i was in the summertime it's more so it'll be like six to eight but that's hard. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I'm doing this and I'm like, okay, trying to learn, like, how do I run? Cause if I'm going to do this for 13 miles, you got to have the right form. And I didn't have any training. I just went out there. Right. Um, I didn't even have the best or right shoes. It didn't matter. I mean, I have shoes that I like now, but, uh, so we get down there after I've, I've dropped 80 pounds. We get down to the desert. It's a night run. I've never done a night run before. And there's, excuse me, there's like 3,000 people or something ridiculous like that. So they're shoveling us all, you know, a group at a time. And I get out there, and then that's when this nerve in the back of my leg starts to bother me in the first mile, and it's kind of tingling down on my toes. And I'm like, well, what am I, I going to do? Go turn around and just keep going. Mm-hmm. And then there's some intestinal distress, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, not here. <laughs> like, I don't wow. want to have to deal with this business out here because right. you're in the dark, in the desert. There's no getting an Uber home. Right. This is it. This is where you're at. And so I just, with the with the will of my brain, I had to push my body as my foot is hurting and my leg is hurting. And, and somewhere, I think somewhere around mile nine is when I'm thinking, oh, no, I can't do another four. And I try to trick myself and go, oh, just pretend you haven't run yet. You know, you do four miles every morning. It's no big deal. And then that last mile is don't look at the lights up ahead because it's a lot further away than you think. And I'm, oh, oh, and I'm just hurting so bad. Did the did the pain go away in your leg, or did like like did it subside, or just like no, no. Um, I do have this uh, this mantra that. I have tattoos on both of my calves, and I, when I was getting those, my mantra was, I am not my leg. 
so that I wouldn't feel the pain. And so I, I kind of was bringing that back and going, I am not my leg. Mm. I am not my legs. I am not my legs. Just keep going. You keep going. Don't stop. There's no stopping. And unbelievable. it really was unbelievable. I, I swear, if you saw a picture of me last year, you would go, that guy's not running a half marathon. Oh. So but when did you run this? November 2nd. Okay. So it just happened. It just happened. Oh my A gosh. month ago. Okay. Yeah. And you finished it. I finished it uh, in a little under three hours, two wow. hours and 50 minutes or something like that. So it was intense. Um, I don't think I'll do another one at night. And this one in the desert, the sand was really thick. So uh, one of the things somebody told me when I was there said, if you do this, this is your first one. Mm. Every other one will be easy from here on out. So I at least have that to look forward yeah, I to. Can, I, I can imagine <laughs> running in the sand is not easy. No, no, it's not. So maybe I'll do like a 10K or a 5K and yeah. take it easy for now. I'm not looking to like push myself or hurt myself. Although there is this part of me that I'm watching videos of people who run 100 miles in a couple of days and thinking like that would be amazing. It would be amazing to do it. Mm. It wouldn't be amazing to be in the middle of it. To run 100 miles? To run 100 miles. That's crazy. I know, I know. I kind of put it akin to the the idea of writing, and I think Dorothy Parker said this, where she says, um, I don't like writing. I like having written. So there's the process that is a struggle, but being finished with something, whether it be you know, a book, an article, a race, or whatever it is, that's the feeling that I think that I am, I'm looking for and chasing and, and going after is having the, the accomplishment, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, my favorite Dorothy Parker quote is, I'm effing busy and vice versa. Yes, <laughs> yes, I know that it's one awesome. as well. Um, she's great. Oh, so. okay, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. we got one more break. we got yep. one more break, well, and then we're going to do the next. Uh, I want to talk about this other podcast yes. that you're doing because okay. I'm curious. Yes. We <clears> are <throat> back on It's All About You, and my guest today is John Staley. This is part two of the interview, if you have yes. been listening. Uh, the first part was last Thursday. Um, on our break, we were just talking. I was just talking about uh, you know, how John did this half marathon and, and the pain that he was going through through it, and I was saying how um, – our brains are so crazy and um you know recently my back kind of hurts and my brain will be like this is you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life and i try to think of mantras like oh as easy as the pain came it left and john yeah. just shared i love i love what you said um, what your girlfriend says uh, rashida always says she says don't say that you're you're in pain or you're sick say that your body is healing because that's I, what I it just is love that that's awesome i just wanted to share that your body's working like very that. hard to heal yeah. you so Moving on to this next podcast, what's the what's the story behind this? You so, weren't happy with two of them? You, you chose a third? So it kind of came out. My, my good friend Walter is, uh, I've known him for a couple of decades, and uh, he's a bartender at the Fairmont Sonoma Mission Inn, among many other talents. But he went to culinary school, so he's very much, he's been in the restaurant business his whole life. And he's a, he's a dear friend of mine, and we were out I think a couple summers ago getting some ice cream and I was making a joke at the ice cream shop about there being, I was like, Ooh, look, there's, um, there's gluten free ice cream cones. And he said, John, gluten is not your problem. (laughs) And he was being snarky and sarcastic and, you know, kind of making a jab at the whole like gluten free culture. And, you know, we know people who have celiacs and it is a very, it's a very deadly thing and it's very important. And, you know, as people in the restaurant business, we take every request 
or you know a- everything very very seriously so right. so when it comes to serving people i mean that's absolutely paramount 100% you don't want any gluten make sure you don't get any gluten that being said you know when we talk about it as kind of you know jokingly and that's where the spawn is that he has so many great stories um not only from his childhood i mean he's an interesting guy but culinarily he has worked in every part of every restaurant up and down the west coast he just has lots and lots of great stories, and his um, and his perspective on things is fantastic. And I said, you know, you should. I've been saying for years, you should really write a book. Yeah, yeah. And I think he had something started on a Kindle or on a on a on a tablet or something. And and I finally just said, you know what? Forget it. You're not going to write the book. I'm going to get you on the microphone, and we're just going to talk about this stuff because I wanted it on the record. And um, that's where it stemmed from. So it's it's a. It's a comedy podcast about uh, the service industry, uh, food culture. Uh, we talk about, you know, he loves to talk about time travel and, um, you know, space and all these other things. So we kind of incorporate all of that. And some some episodes we have a very strong theme. Uh, some episodes we kind of just sit at my kitchen table and see what happens. But it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So this one, uh, not that they aren't all fun. But this one is definitely more of a casual and 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 light, uh, uh, just just a fun fun thing to do. It's just a couple of guys hanging out and talking. Nice. So it's and it and it, we've gotten some great response from people in Sonoma too. We oh, do. Really? We've done a couple different uh, restaurant reviews, and we try to be kind and constructive, you know, because nobody wants. We don't want to be mean, but. You know, you go out to dinner and you have a very strange experience. It's something we we like to share. So, um, yeah, and it's it's great. What's one of the strange experiences you've had that maybe like there's, a little, a little something that you could share with us? I would say I, I and I don't want to give it away, but uh, we once got the check. Uh, w- my food came out, and then his food didn't come out for about fifteen minutes. Right, and then. The girl comes over after we're done eating with the check, and we said, "Oh, we ordered some uh, some spring rolls. Um, if they're not coming, we just don't want to pay for them." And she's, "Oh, are they coming?" And so we're getting the food afterwards. You know, getting the appetizers after right. the check. Right. And so these weird little things, or one <laughs> of the things that comes up a lot is that how people make their own ketchup, and we're tired of this. What? Everybody has a special ketchup that they're making. You know, you go somewhere and they're like, well, we do something. We do ketchup differently. Yeah. (laughs) And the truth is nobody wants ketchup differently. They all want the basic Heinz in a bottle with their French fries. Totally. Let us don't stop making banana ketchups. Stop making weird chutneys or relishes when you're just serving burgers and fries. Right. And I think this is a theme that comes up with us quite frequently when we when we talk and go out to eat. That's funny. I think um, married to a Brit, like uh, the biggest thing that always happens to us when we go out is like Toby doesn't like he just likes to be left alone like mm-hmm. when we're eating and he doesn't like any of the dishes to be taken until everybody's done mm-hmm. eating. And so I think with that, there's always this kind of thing where I just say, just tell them, but you know, as we sit yeah. down, like, cause it's so different. You're like, people kind of take your food before you're done and you're kind of like, and there's a mental thing where it's like, I guess, should I be done? <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. like, but I was still eating, but yeah, go ahead. And I've done, it. I've been like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess go ahead and take it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I could have eaten a couple more bites of that salad, you know, before yeah. I went away. I don't know. I just feel, but it's a tough, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig, gig mm-hmm. for the waiters. It's a tough gig for the bussers. 
it's just a tough gig. I've I've waited tables and tended bar for a long time, and I always try to be as accommodating as possible. And you know, sometimes we make mistakes. Yeah, and of course, of course. I think it's just about communication. Like when mm-hmm. you sit down, you know. I think I think I'm so aware of of um, of their job that I really want to make sure that they're not super stressed either. You know, I've been with certain people who are really really entitled when they sit down and it's awful i just i kind of think it's awful because i do i am of the belief that we are all exactly the same yeah (laughs) you know like we're all we're all on the same level is what i mean be kind yeah but be clear about what you want yeah yeah just be like hey it it always i mean it seems to work for me Mm -hmm. um okay i think we have two more songs we can do this we could do this all right what's this next one it is um well, you know, I'm going to actually put my glasses on so I can read where it is. Um, what Diener was talking about, and it's Ween. Ween. So Ween is one of my favorite bands of all time. They're awesome. They 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 go across the spectrum of music. They have a country album. They do punk rock. They do metal. They do show tunes. They do funk and disco. Um, again, I couldn't pick. I didn't know which one to pick, but this one's approachable. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of got this sort of AM gold vibe to it, and I just really like it. And what does it mean to you? Like, it, it, was what it a part of in your life, or was it like, you know— I think again, this is this is high school. So this is another one of those things where it was like, wow, what is this weird, cool music? And it's just kind of fun. And, and it imprinted. And it imprinted. Yes. what the next mm-hmm. next thing is for you like as far as like well like, all of it i all guess of it? all of it how do you maintain all of this stuff i was thinking about that today the the human being called john staley has yeah. a lot of parts to, to yeah. maintain yeah i just break it down into the smallest parts possible and go okay so make the coffee write in the notebook go for the run and just break if i can if if a day is too big then i take it by an hour if an hour is too big then I break it into, you know, minutes. If the minutes are too big, then I break it into breaths, like literally. <sighs> All right, I got through that one. What's next? And so, because uh, I am um, very good at stacking things and getting getting so overwhelmed and, and I'm really good at it that I have to break that habit. And, um, you know, we're going to, I'm going to continue to write books and make comics and create content and, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Whatever, whatever I feel like at the moment, filmmaking is something that I really love too. So, yeah. Um, how do you how 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 do you motivate? How what's your motivation here? Um, my motivation is I I've, I've spent my whole life 
denying my expressive nature, my sensitive nature, my creative nature, and not really giving into it and not really, um, not really promoting it or, or being able to, to really dig in to what I have to, to give. And I don't, I, maybe I have another 30, maybe if I'm lucky, another 40 years left. And so I want to do as much of that as possible. I have, I have squandered and wasted a lot of time, you know, and some might say I didn't waste it. It's, it was spent exactly how it was supposed to so that I could be here. Um, but I don't want to waste any more. So I'm, I'm excited to get up and motivate and create and leave something so that when I'm, when I'm not here, there might be something that somebody can still enjoy later on. How have you changed? I know physically you've changed because mm-hmm. I can see that. How do you feel? I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. I mean, I feel healthy. I'm excited. Like I'm, I feel like my body can do the things that, that I want it to do now rather than, rather than lamenting the things that I can't do. I'm, I think I'm more solution oriented. Uh, I think there's a, there's an old Chuck Palahniuk, um, uh, quote from the book Invisible Monsters. And he says something about the, the future went from being a promise to a threat and I kind of like to flip that, and I, because I think that now, where the future used to be a threat to me, and now it's it's there's a lot of promise in it. Mm, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <clears throat> um, yeah. Okay. Final song. Yes. Final song. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. For your final song, you chose "First Step" by General Fuzz. This song I only recently came about in the last several years, probably the last four years. And it sort of epitomizes a lot of what I look for in music these days, which is something that's cinematic or emotional or has a certain feel rather than it being by a certain artist or fitting in a certain genre. Um, Also, uh, full disclosure, my girlfriend does the the vocals on this one. And it is absolutely beautiful. It is um, emotional. It is in parts haunting and just, and there's no, there's no lyrics. It's all just vocalization Mm -hmm. and it's this beautiful, um, gorgeous song that I really love. And yeah.
just took a ride on a fairy's wing. <laughs> it's so pretty. Yeah, it's really it's a beautiful it's really song. Pretty. Um and yeah, she's she's something else. So I'm uh yeah, I really like that a lot. And I um yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Definitely belongs on the on the list. <clears throat> so, John. Yes. Uh, very quickly as well, yes. I do want to talk about the uh, Green Camel Press. Okay? Yes. Because recently, you, um, I noticed that you guys have like some uh, cards, Christmas cards, mm-hmm. um, that you have out there for people to pick up. Yes. Where do we get? We can go to the site, which is uh, GreenCamelPress.com, uh, and yeah, it's all connected there. But if you're in town, you want to go to Socks on the Square. You want, I believe, Frenchie has them. Um, I believe Harvest Home has them. Um, we will be selling cards at the Faith Lutheran Church this Saturday morning on Arnold Drive. Oh, nice. So you know where that, that yeah. is on the corner of Arnold and, is it Petaluma? No. Uh, Sorry. <clears throat> I don't know. It's on Arnold Drive, Faith Lutheran Church. There's signs all over town. Yeah. Um, 10 a.m. December 7th. Uh, come come get them right there. You'll get them for the best price directly from us. I want to give you some cards. So oh, this yay! Is, this oh. is the gift. So that's um, gift wrap there is uh, hand-drawn. And so those are the five Christmas cards in there. Oh, so I've got this uh, gift. It's awesome. There's like mm-hmm. a ladybug on here. <laughs> There's like a – is that a whale? I don't Maybe. know what that is. It's, a, it's pretty cool. I, I love this. I just had to be able to doodle this. on a bunch of butcher paper. This is awesome, <laughs> so. actually. Really great, and I've got um, your card. So yeah, so Green Camel Press at Gmail dot com to connect with you guys, mm-hmm. and uh, Green Camel Press dot com. Yeah, and, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the above. I also got you a bottle of Three Sticks Pinot Noir. What? Whoa! Yeah. These okay. guys are awesome. These guys so are awesome. They're right down the road as well. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. That's Thank awesome. you for having me on. Yeah, right Twice. on. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm going to listen to your podcasts, and hopefully others are too. So I'm yes. excited. I'm excited. Kind of excited about the gluten is not your problem. It sounds hilarious, actually. It is. <laughs> it is. Scathing, uh, you know, it's it's great. It's it's a lot of fun, sarcastic and just silly and, and funny and, yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you running around town. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. And um, and uh, inspiring all of us. I You definitely inspired me, so... If I can do it, you can do it. Gosh, I really want to believe that. I'm healing. Mm. I'm healing. You are healing. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at asforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.